Thank you so much for joining us today. You're listening to Coryton Cast, the official podcast of Coryton Church. What is God really like? What has He revealed about Himself in His Word? Today we begin a seven-part series called The God of Blank, in which Dr. Rocky Ramsey will cover four need-to-know attributes of God. The first characteristic that we'll examine is that God is the God of hope. One of the responsibilities of a leader is to model confidence and to give stability and hope in times of crisis. Today's message, as I said, is about the God of hope. We face a health crisis around the world, the country, and state, far, far, far less here locally. This pandemic has resulted in a torpedoed economy, stock market losses, and government encroachment on personal and religious rights of Americans. The government's printing money uh, and throwing it everywhere, trying to stymie the hysteria. What do you put your hope in? Is it in the government that the government will take care of you and save you? Is it in science, even though the scientists have disagreed about this and, and at times have been stupendously wrong about it? Is your hope, your trust, your confidence in a cloth mask? Is your hope in hand sanitizer and social distancing? Is your hope in a flattened curve or a vaccine? Exactly when will you be okay? Hopefully you appreciate all the president has done to try to help families and businesses financially. Hopefully you appreciate all the hard work that has been done by scientists, doctors, and nurses in this uh, pandemic. But your hope needs to be in the living God, the Lord of heaven and earth. Not in scientists being right or politicians being smart. In this case, they've been wrong and at times they've not been very smart. In 1 Timothy 1.1, it tells us that Christ Jesus is our hope. 1 Timothy 4.10 says that we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior. Our God, the living God, the true God, the only God is the God of hope. There in your outline in Romans 15.13, notice that God gives us joy, God gives us peace, and that we can abound in hope by the power of His Spirit. So what do we do in a time of trial? I'll give you three things. Number one, first of all, remember God's promises. Remember God's promises. Now, later on, you can read Psalm 42 and 43, but there's three verses that are basically identical throughout it, and I put those verses in your, that verse in your outline. And it says, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. So when you go home and read that today, here's how it's going to go. You're going to start Psalm uh, 42, and it's going to go problems, 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 trouble, 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 verse verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. And then you keep reading in verse 6, problems, 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 trouble, trouble, trouble. And then you come to the end of the chapter, verse 11. And it says, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. And then you go into chapter 43, and it's problems, 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 trouble, trouble, trouble. And then verse five, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. 
So what he's understanding as he faces his problems is who God is and promises he has made. So I wanna give you six promises that we have in scripture. We're gonna go through these pretty quickly. Number one, God will be with you. If you're a believer, God will be with you. Hebrews 13, five, he will never forsake you. Matthew 28, 20, I'll always be with you. Number two, God will protect you from more than you can handle. He'll protect you from more than you can handle. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, you will not be tried beyond what you are able. Number three, God will give you the strength that you need. He'll give you the strength that you need. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. Jot down Philippians 2, 13. And there it says that it is God who's at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God gives us the strength we need. Number four, God will use the bad that you face for some good. He'll use the bad that you face for good. Romans 8, 28 and 29 says that God uses everything good and bad and he takes it and uses it for some good. The good is conforming us to the image of Christ. In other words, uh, fulfilling his purpose in us of making us like his son. Doesn't mean that everything that happens is good. Bad things happen. But God takes bad things and uses them for a good purpose, which is to make us like himself. In Deuteronomy 23, verse five, it says, your God turned your curses into blessings because the Lord your God loves you. In Genesis 50, 20, Joseph, who's been betrayed and sold into slavery by his brothers, Joseph says to them later on, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Now think about that. Even when something is deliberately meant to hurt us, our God will take that and use it for some kind of good. That's an awesome God. And then number five, God will one day rescue you from all of your trials. He'll one day rescue you. Galatians 1.4 says that Jesus came and died to deliver us from this present evil age. In other words, to get us out of the curse where you have trials and problems. Jot down uh, 1 Peter 3.18. And there it says that Christ died once for all in order to get us to God. In other words, out of this cursed world. And then number six, God will give you a trial-free, pain-free, loss-free, secure eternity. A pain-free, trial-free, loss-free, secure eternity. In Revelation chapter 21, verses three and four, it talks about heaven. It says, he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death, nor will there be any mourning or crying or pain. Look in your outline in Colossians 3, 15 and 16. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. And then verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Well, how can I have the peace of Christ? Because I'm in the word of Christ hanging on to the promises of Christ. Isaiah 26, three and four. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. So we can have great peace if we trust in the Lord and in his promises. So you need to remember his promises. Number two. Second of all, you need to recognize his presence. Recognize his presence. Psalm 80 is like Psalm 42 and 43. And so the same kind of thing happens. Then one verse appears three times. Oh God, restore us and cause your face to shine on us and we will be saved. 
So here's how it goes. You start in verse one, problems, problems, trouble, trouble. Verse three, oh God, restore us and cause your face to shine on us and we will be saved. And then you go to keep reading, problems, problems, trouble, trouble. And then you come to verse seven. Oh God, restore us and cause your face to shine on us and we will be saved. And then you keep reading again, problems, problems, trouble, trouble, and come to verse 19. Oh God, restore us, cause your face to shine on us and we will be saved. In Numbers 6, 22 to 26, Aaron and the priests were to bless the people of Israel with this certain prayer. It's a prayer, if you've been to a Presbyterian church, you probably have heard, maybe in another church, but in a Presbyterian church in particular. It's this prayer right here. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you, again, the face, and give you peace. God's face represents his presence. Whatever I may face, if God is there, I can be okay, whatever it is. Years ago, Manly Beasley was a, uh, a way, he was a kind of a revivalist and went around to churches and he was out doing uh, uh, services. And his wife called and told him that she had just been to the doctor, she had cancer, and they, they said it was terminal. And so he said, I'll, I'll, I'll leave right now and come home. He said, no, finish your service. I'm not going to die today or tomorrow. Finish your, finish your uh, services there. I'll see you when you get home. He said, when I got to the airport, I met her. Her name was Marthy. And Marthy met him there, and she was beaming. She was beaming. And of course, he expected to find this depressed woman, not a beaming woman. He said, Marthy, what has happened to you? She said, I've got the victory. She said, have you been healed? She said, I don't know if I've been healed or not, but I've got the victory. When God causes his face to shine on you, when you have his presence, no matter what the doctor report, no matter what the scientists are saying about any virus, you are okay. You've got the victory. It's his presence. So we remember his promises, we recognize his presence, and then number three, we realize God's power. We realize his power. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now that doesn't mean I can fly like a bird, but it means that everything God needs and wants me to do, I can do. So if I need to be strong, I can be strong. If I need to endure, I can endure. I can do those things. I need to ch if I need to change, I can change. He gives me that strength. In uh, Psalm tw 31 verse 24, it says, Be strong, let your heart take courage, all of you who hope in the Lord. Again, in 1513 of Romans, it tells us that we can abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now look at Romans 3, or chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. There it says, we exult or rejoice in our tribulations, problems, trials, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. Well, that's where hope comes from. It comes from character. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, what's the sequence? Problems. I got problems. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to hang on to God and hang on to his promises. I'm going to persevere. And when I persevere, I develop proven character. It's one thing to think you have character when your character has never been tested. This is talking about character that has been tested and passed the test. This is proven character. And proven character leads to hope. It leads to hope. 
And when I have hope, the love of God pours out in my heart. And so how can I have hope? Because I'm remembering God's promises, I'm recognizing his presence, and I'm realizing his power. So I can be okay, even when things are not okay. Doesn't mean I'm safe, doesn't mean nothing can happen to me, but I'm okay. Again, we've talked about this. If you know the end of your story, then whatever happens in the story is not that big a problem. If you don't know the end of your story, everything that happens is a problem. But if you know that in the end, you get delivered from this present and evil age, if you go to a place where there's no death, sickness, sorrow, pain, suffering, where God wipes away every tear, and then Ephesians tells us he spends forever showing us his kindness to us, if that's the end of your story, I can face whatever I've got to face between now and then. I can be okay when things aren't okay. Now, what do you need to understand in a time of trial? What do you need to understand? Look at 1 Kings 9, verse 3. And here's the setting. David, you remember, wanted to build a temple. He raised all the money, but God didn't let him build the temple. He said, your son will build it. Solomon builds the temple. They've had this huge prayer of dedication. All these things have happened. The glory of God's filled the temple. And God speaks to Solomon and says this. I have consecrated this house which you have built by putting, watch what he puts there, my name there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. In John 14, 17, Jesus was with his disciples and said that I am with you, but I will be in you. Of course, he's talking about after the resurrection and ascension and when Pentecost comes. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 6, 19, the Bible tells us that our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, God dwelt in a temple in Jerusalem. Now he dwells in his people. In Colossians 1, 27, it says, our hope of glory, our hope of becoming who God made us to be is Christ in us. So God dwells in us. If God dwells in us, what is there? His name, his eyes, and his heart. So three things. Number one, God sees. God sees. My eyes will be there perpetually. Sometimes we go through stuff and we wonder, does God know? God is eternal. He's at every moment in history, past, present, and future simultaneously. God is omniscient. He knows everything. It's impossible for him not to know something. So of course God sees. Proverbs 5.21 says, The ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. Verse, chapter 15, verse 3 of Proverbs says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place. So God sees. Wherever you are today, wherever you will be in 15 years, God will see. Number two, God cares. God cares. He says, My heart will be there perpetually. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then Romans 5.8, God demonstrates, proves his love toward us that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. God doesn't love us because we're so lovable. He loves us because he's so loving. And then 1 John 2.2 says, for he himself, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sin." That means that Jesus literally paid the penalty that was due us for our sin. You don't think he cares? Now look at this verse in Isaiah 49, 15. There it says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? 
Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Can you imagine a mom with a new baby forgetting where she put it? Or leaving it here at the church in the nursery? It wouldn't happen, would it? Now, some of you are like us. We, we've dri driven separately for years because I get here early in the morning and bet you didn't need to be. And, and so we've, you know, come in two cars. We had two girls. And it has happened before. The girls were all, you know, like uh, uh, older and I guess they were probably in school. And I'd get home and bet you'd show up and she didn't have the kids and I thought she had them and she thought I had them and they're still here. So that has happened to us. It's probably happened to some of you if you come in two cars. But I'm telling you, it's never happened to somebody with a new baby. We're not sure exactly who our, our last born child was here in the church. I believe it's Jamie uh, Drummer, Josie and Caleb's son. And can you imagine if they were here and they dropped Jamie in that nursery and then uh, after the service over, they go home and say, you know, something's different around here. What, what's going on? Oh, the baby, you know. Wouldn't happen, would it? I'm telling you what, it would happen a billion times before God would forget you. Every mother in the world would forget their baby before God would forget you. That's the point of Isaiah 49, 15. God sees and God cares. Number three, God can. He puts his name there forever. His name represents who he is and his power. He is uh, El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. He is uh, the, the great I am. He is Jehovah or Yahweh. In Jeremiah 32, 27, he says, I am the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Of course, the answer is, is no. Look at Isaiah 41, 10. If you haven't memorized it, you need to. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. Surely I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Whatever you're facing, God can. He is able. Now, I want you to turn to Isaiah 40, and I'm going to read out of verses 12 to 31, but I'm going to leave several verses out. I'll tell you when I do that. And I want you to see if this is your God, because this is the God of hope. This is a God who's big enough, no matter what you're facing. And if your God isn't big enough with what you're facing, you've got the wrong God. You don't have the Bible's God. So Isaiah 40, verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Who can take all the water on the planet and put it in his palm? Well, God can do that. And who's marked off the heavens by a span? Who measures light years by his hand width? Only God. And calculated the dust of the earth by measure. How many pieces, how many grains of sand are in the sands of the sea? How many pieces of dust are on planet earth? say, well, of course, we don't know that. God does. God does. Who's weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales? The nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. All the nations, verse 17, are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? Verse 21, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the world, of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. Now, you remember back Christopher Columbus's day when we discovered, man discovered the earth was not flat, but round. The Bible says this thousands of years earlier. 
God sits above the circle, literally the sphere of the earth. It also says another place that he hangs it on nothing. That's how we're floating out in space. God's hung the earth on nothing. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out to dwell in. It is he who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Verse 25, to whom then will you liken me that I should be his equal, says the Lord, Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their hosts by number and calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Now, turn over to chapter 46, just be a few pages over. I'm going to read verses 3 to 5 and 9 to 10. Listen to me, you who have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb. I want to ask you a question. I want you to give me a verbal answer. Are you here today? The answer is yes. Yes, I'm here. You know how you're here? Because God has born you from the womb. That's how you've made it this far. God has been taking care of you, whether you noticed it or not. Well, how can I have confidence that God will take care of me in the future? Because he's taken care of me in the past. It doesn't mean our lives are going to be problem-free. He never promised that till heaven. But I can know that God will take care of me in the future because he's been taking care of me since I was literally conceived. Verse four, even to your old age, I will be the same. I'll be faithful. And even to your graying years, I will bear you. That's a comfort for people like me. I have done it and I will carry you and I will bear you and I will deliver you. To whom would you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? Remember the former things long past for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's no one like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Now that last verse, two things to notice. From the very beginning, the eternal all-knowing God knew the end. Before he created man, he knew man would sin. He knew the Garden of Eden would be closed. He knew he'd have to punish his own sinless son to pay for that sin. And he knew everything that would be going on, including what's going on in our world today. He knows the end even before it begins. And then notice he says, my purpose will be established and I'll accomplish my good pleasure. God has created the world and he gave us freedoms and consequences of those freedoms. So now the world's cursed and inside the world we have all kinds of stuff, including viruses and sickness, sorrow, pain, suffering, and death. But make no mistake about it, God's big purpose and plan will all be accomplished. In fact, what's going on now in the curse, it was part of his plan. He gave us freedom, and we had consequences of that freedom. What a mighty God we serve. How great is our God? Single person who wishes you were married, don't despair. Know that your God sees and cares. 
Live your life for something bigger and greater than marriage, God's purpose. Allow him to use you to make a difference in the lives of others. Find your joy in him and what he does through you. In eternity, which lasts forever and ever and ever compared to 70, 80, 90 years here, in eternity, your marital status will not matter at all, at all. In him, not in marriage, not in being a parent, in him, in Christ, we are made complete. Married couple whose relationship is a struggle, don't despair. Know that your God sees and cares. Become all that God wants you to be, genuinely Christian. Pray that your mate will do the same. Give up attacking and return to loving. Act like you did when you wanted each other. The God of hope is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Divorced or widowed person who feels like you're drowning in loss. Don't despair. Know that your God sees and cares. This is one season in a lifetime of seasons. You will make it to the next chapter. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Seek him with all your heart and you will find him. There's a God of hope who can help you let go of the hurt, move on from the past, and give you a blessed future. Young person who wonders if your life matters or if anybody cares, don't despair. Know that your God sees and cares. He made you for a purpose. He wanted you to be. There's no one else who can be the you that God made you to be. Your life always matters when you're trying to make a difference in the lives of others. The God who knows you best loves you most. Almighty God wanted you so much, he was willing to punish his son in order to have you. God doesn't need you, but he wants you more than anybody will ever want you. A right relationship with God is what will make your life most meaningful and most full. Anybody listening? Whatever your circumstance, don't despair. There's a God who sees, who cares, and who can. He can give us peace that passes understanding in the midst of societal chaos. He can give us joy in the midst of personal sorrow. He can give us hope in the midst of emotional desperation. We serve a God who sees, not one who is unaware. We serve a God who cares, not one who is unmoved by our fears and loss. We serve a God who can, not one who is unable to do what we need. As followers of Jesus, it is well with our souls because we serve a God of hope. Do you know this God of hope? Join us next time to learn more about God in this series from Dr. Rocky Ramsey on the attributes of God called the God of Blank series. Catch up on any episodes you missed on our podcast. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. You're listening to Coryton Cast, the official podcast of Coryton Church. If you have any questions at all, visit us online at CoryptonChurch.com or drop us a message or comment on social media. We're at Coryton Church. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and we pray God's richest blessings on your life. Give us a rating, hit subscribe, and have a fantastic day.